0: Hello, and welcome to Following the Rules. This is a podcast about the rules shaping UK and EU financial services, and the people responsible for understanding and implementing them. Because in one of the world's most regulated sectors, following the rules isn't always easy. I'm your host, financial journalist Lucy McNulty, and every episode I'll be asking the most influential personalities in financial regulation for their input on the sector's most pressing issues.
1: Oxpo Partners is happy to support this episode of Following the Rules. Oxpo Partners is a management consultancy specialising in the insurance industry. In 2022, we were again named one of the top 10 consultancies in the sector by the Financial Times. We help our clients, who include insurers, reinsurers, regulators and investors, with everything from growth strategy to operations, technology and M&A. Not to mention the impact of the increasingly complex regulatory environment on their businesses, such as the current FCA general insurance pricing fairness rules, about which you'll find lots of commentary on our website, oxpopartners.com. If you're keen to understand the challenges and opportunities coming down the track for your business, please drop us a line. In the meantime, enjoy this podcast. It's not straightforward and it's not simple, but we all have to grapple with that because the current situation needs change.
0: Today's guest explains how he would like to see the UK Parliament's influential Treasury Select Committee change to best regulate new asset classes like crypto. He details the regulatory priorities he believes the next UK government should have to future-proof the UK financial services sector. He also outlines his concerns around the UK markets watchdog's ability to cope with its ever-expanding to-do list. And outlines how parliamentarians can best address the issue now to help the city remain competitive post-Brexit. Lord Chris Holmes is an award-winning Paralympian who has been a Conservative peer in the House of Lords since 2013. Hi Chris, welcome to Following the Rules.
1: Thank you very much, great to be here.
0: You're a British former swimmer, a life peer in the House of Lords. You've won a total of nine gold, five silver and one bronze medal at the Paralympic Games. And you're also vice chair of the all parliamentary party groups on fintech and artificial intelligence and you previously founded and chaired the APPG on blockchain. What's driving your interest in the fintech and crypto space?
1: I've always been interested in understanding the increasing role of technology and just wanting in my role in parliament to try in my small way, I guess, to ensure that the potential public and private benefits are always fully understood and that we always ensure that this is human led. So human led technology for human rooted solutions.
0: What are your views on the UK government's efforts to regulate crypto assets so far?
1: It's absolutely crucial that both the UK government and parliament understand we need to ensure that we have the right sized regulatory framework for crypto assets. So we both understand the economic, the social opportunities, but we're also equally conscious of some of the more nefarious uses that crypto assets can be put to. So having the competition and the consumer protection pillars very much clearly understood and set out in any regulatory approach. And we have some really helpful legislative, opportunities coming up right now with the particularly the financial services and markets bill which has started its progress in the commons and will be coming up to the house of lords towards the beginning of next year and that not just in terms of crypto assets but in terms of financial regulation is the most important piece of legislation in over two decades the nation's approach to crypto assets has to be fully understood and enabled through that piece of legislation it's absolutely a team effort we need to ensure that the chancellor and other members of the treasury team and indeed all of the officials are thoroughly seized of the opportunities that exist here this can't be about divergence dilution departure from the eu regulatory framework this has to be about right-sizing regulation for the UK.
0: So are you therefore suggesting that you would like the UK to follow a similar approach to that taken by the EU? Because the EU is further ahead of the UK in its efforts to roll out crypto regulation, its markets and crypto assets framework of rules is on course to be passed and authorised in October. What aspects of the EU regime do you think that the UK should follow?
1: The EU are getting on with this, with MICA, and it's all-encompassing. EU are going for a coverall approach at this stage. The means by which we're approaching this is to take a slightly more stepped approach by having a definition of, for example, digital settlement assets. So more narrow than the MICA definition, but clearly focusing on key areas where crypto assets are currently being used and currently being deployed in the UK around settlement. I think we should have the considered approach that we're taking. I think that's probably the right way for the UK. So it doesn't necessarily mean that we will be more or less divergent. It's just a different approach in terms of scope.
0: So a different approach, but hopefully the outcomes will be similar.
1: I think it's in everybody's interests that we, as a global community, enable the opportunities, do everything that we can around the risks of these assets slash currencies. And that level of international cooperation has to be the most productive way of achieving that. But I think we also should lead in the UK with perhaps redefining this whole sector and how we go about describing it, not to go about it in a branding or marketing way, but trying to bring perhaps just a little bit more clarity around it in that I don't think for many people outside this world that whether one talks about cryptocurrencies, crypto assets or whatever, I don't think that brings much clarity to people. It would be better to root this in a more understandable description of what these things are. And then I think there'd be an easier route into the potential solutions, the potential applications, the potential problems that these approaches could be put to solving it
0: do you think that there is the adequate level of understanding within parliament as to the various nuances of the crypto space to enact legislation that will embrace it to the extent you would like it to be embraced
1: we need a far greater level of understanding and engagement in parliament as indeed we need that public debate that public engagement in the country And fundamentally, like all of this stuff, it needs to answer that question, which any citizen should rightly ask. Why should I be interested in it? What's in it for me? So for sure, we need more engagement in Parliament and even more importantly, we need more engagement in society. This is about continuous education, continuous collaboration with the overarching aim of trying to ensure that these technologies are enabling, are empowering and have the right regulatory, legislative and standards framework around them to deliver the potential benefits for citizen and state alike.
0: You mentioned the Financial Services and Markets Bill, which is the package of post Brexit reforms that the government is pushing through Parliament at the moment to enable the city to retain its competitiveness outside of the EU. And a key sponsor of those reforms was the former City Minister John Glenn. And you've mentioned the need for right-sized regulation for the UK. To what extent do you think that Glenn achieved that right size of regulation in the proposals he's put in relation to crypto in the Financial Services and Markets Bill?
1: It's a good piece of legislation to be considering, but. As we will all see as the bill moves through committee stage in the Commons and then when it comes to us in the House of Lords for full consideration, it's right and proper that that is fully tested and that other ideas and potential amendments are brought forward to the bill to make it as fully contextualised for what we want to achieve in the UK. This is where it's good that we have other pieces of legislation also coming through such as the economic crime bill which very much looks at some of the darker sides of crypto and how it's used that would also be a a good opportunity for parliament to look at all of this to ensure that there's an understanding of the essentials of these technologies and that just because crypto assets are used for really negative and really dark parts of what's going on in our world at the moment that shouldn't then be the green light to shut down these technologies per se because by the same means cash unfortunately in so many ways has been used and continues to be used for very negative purposes across our society and across the world so that doesn't mean that we We should stop using cash and fiat currencies. But it does mean that we should have the right approach, the right level of understanding and the right regulatory and legislative framework to fully speak to those negative uses and negative purposes of, in this instance, crypto assets.
0: There is nervousness about embracing this asset class because from a consumer protection point of view, it can leave individuals quite vulnerable, not least because cryptocurrencies have been through a very volatile period of time in which individuals have lost quite a large chunk of savings but also there has been concern following the introduction of sanctions on Russia after its invasion of Ukraine that crypto would be used to circumvent them and I was reading recently a report from consultancy chain analysis which found that crypto hackers were set for a record year after hacking over three billion dollars from various accounts across 125 hacks so far in 2022 those losses obviously undermine confidence in crypto-based financial services
1: it's incredibly and it should always be front and centre of any consideration of crypto. What does this mean for all of us? What does it mean for parliamentarians? What it means is that there has to be that clear understanding of the extent of crypto assets, how they work how they're currently being deployed, how they may be deployed, how they don't neatly fit into any individual jurisdiction, how in our, as already described, right-sizing of regulation in the UK, we need to be very clearly focusing internationally, both in terms of the criminal uses and the other misuses of crypto, but also for a greater coalescence internationally as to how we can best approach crypto, not least in terms of international standards and the opportunities. I'm a big proponent of, if got right, how helpful international standards can be. And this is an area where the UK can be positive and helpful in reaching out internationally to try and develop a greater level of standards and interoperability at that level. Because as in many of the examples you've set out there, they're not neatly fitting within any particular nation state this technology as with so many of the new technologies is of itself transnational cross-border global to that global perspective and approach is absolutely critical but exactly as you set out at the outset of this question it's absolutely essential that consumer protection consumer awareness is at the fore alongside all of the other pillars that you'd want in a regulatory framework from our regulators to ensure that we do everything we can to enable the benefits whilst doing everything we can to understand and eradicate and mitigate the risk.
0: Are UK rules as proposed doing enough to mitigate the risks associated with this space and if not what more could they do?
1: The reality is, we understand the principles, we understand how to go about effective regulation, and we should take that approach. It will become problematic and almost certainly less effective if we think we need to take an entirely different approach to how we regulate these particular assets. Because, as you say, people have lost a lot through various crypto schemes, and that is massively problematic, but people have lost a lot through a whole series of pre-existing financial services equally to be fully considered. So having that context and that coherence across financial services regulation, I think, will give us the best position to get the right outcome here.
0: What amendments do you plan on suggesting to the Financial Services and Markets Bill and all the Economic Crime Bill as it touches on crypto when they come to the House of Lords?
1: very much looking at how we can have potential crypto solutions to crypto problems there's a whole series of potential amendments there to look at how the technologies themselves can offer some solutions to some of the problems that we've set out so definitely there's a lot to be built on in terms of the financial market infrastructure sandbox it will be good to look at how we can potentially develop and improve that as listeners will know, the initial fintech sandbox that the regulator did close to a decade ago now very successful so very interested in that Uh, it shouldn't be that everything is simply handed over to the regulator ongoing effective scrutiny is critical to how we regulate That's across any particular area so we need to ensure That there is the right role ongoing for parliament here and how that might be brought to bear potentially for an increased role for the treasury select committee for example and maybe even by having an expert group alongside them so you get over that difficulty of when things get really very technical the treasury select committee would be able to draw upon that expertise to inform its decisions and considerations around this stuff so that would be incredibly helpful as well
0: are you suggesting that there is a introduction of a subset of the Treasury Select Committee that is specifically focused on crypto assets?
1: I think that a subsection, subcommittee or expert group of the TSC, where crypto would be part of it, but also broader than that to the whole future regulatory framework and how we go about it. Crypto is a key and important part of that. We discussed earlier in the conversation around the need to have greater understanding of crypto across both houses of parliament. Equally, it wouldn't be possible to have the Treasury Select Committee having that depth of technical understanding that will be required with some of these decisions. So we need to be thoughtful and forward thinking and innovative about how we as parliamentarians go about this.
0: Who would you envisage sitting on a subset of the Treasury Select Committee like that? And have you spoken to the Treasury Select Committee about the possible creation of such a subset?
1: Conversations have been swirling around this for a little while since the Future Regulatory Framework Review began. So it's a conversation which is ongoing. And in terms of the experts, we're fortunate in the UK to have quite a number of senior people who are involved in crypto who come from a regulatory, a policy, and a traditional finance background. So there are some really senior people who understand not just the crypto context, but the overall financial services context. Those kind of people would be great to be involved with it. It wouldn't be a parliamentary committee, and in a sense, its function would be to plug in that level of advice slash intel slash understanding, which would enable the TSC to be more supercharged in this space to get that detailed level of understanding, so they wouldn't be performing parliamentary duties, if you will. And there's a number of ways that it could be set up, and in some ways, the form of it is secondary. It's the function, it's the purpose, Interest me in terms of how we enable the Treasury Select Committee to have Parliament rightly involved in this space, because if that isn't the case, then potentially what you have is the pendulum swinging too far, in my view, to the regulator, where it's we do the legislation and it's over to the regulator and that's the end of it. In the midst of all of those claims that were made through the Brexit process, I don't remember anybody saying that one of the key benefits of Brexit was to repatriate powers to the regulator.
0: What's your view on the call-in powers that have been proposed by government in an effort to address what you've just mentioned about regulators potentially being handed too much power post-Brexit?
1: It's it's a really interesting part of the debate if we see this as a pendulum we all need to take a view on where we believe that pendulum needs to be positioned and there is certainly a potential that too much swing is towards the regulator and the regulators need all of our support to perform their functions as efficiently and as effectively as they can And if there's too much put upon them, that's not going to be possible. And in many ways, it will largely be counterproductive as to what we want from our regulators. The FCA, for example, are going through a process at the moment. They're looking to become more match fit, if you will. And it's in all of our interests that that is achieved because at the moment, it's abundantly clear and it's to be regretted that many companies, many of them in this crypto space who really want to register in the UK are finding themselves having to go and register in other jurisdictions, not least Gibraltar. Now, perhaps in the past, a lot of this new finance was seen as an add-on, a nice to have a small part right at the edge of financial services. But the reality is we must enable all of those startups to have the right opportunity to register, to start, to scale and potentially to sell in the UK, because we have got some obvious and long lasting and significant advantages, not least common law. It's a fabulous product. And if we don't get the regulator through to the other side of this, we're just going to continue to have a flow of new technology businesses that don't register in the UK. And that really needs to be thoroughly understood and thoroughly addressed by all parties in this
0: what can parliament do to enable the uk markets watchdog the financial conduct authority to speed up its authorisation of these new businesses or to get comfortable with authorising these new businesses
1: i think back to the level of understanding of the issues that are facing the regulator and more engagement and questioning of government as to what approach they're going to take for the future regulation of financial services an absolute unflinching clarity as to what we want from our regulator and then ensuring that the resource is in place to achieve that. I think it's always a good process and entirely legitimate to look very closely at what the current set of circumstances are and what they are and are not delivering for us and moving forward with that piece of work in a very short order.
0: Because part of the reason why the FCA is taking a long time with authorisations of new forms of businesses as well as more established businesses is that they have a large amount to do at the moment and that is only going to increase once these new Brexit powers work their way onto their agenda. I wonder whether you have any views as to what Parliament can do to reduce the FCA's workload because it seems to me that that would be an obvious way of helping the FCA speed up.
1: There's a role for Parliament, there's also a role for a greater deployment of technology in the process to assist with that as well. Not in any sense to increase the risk in authorization or to take humans out of the process, not that at all, but to understand how technology can play a part in that process. And parliament needs to have a greater level of understanding as to what the current situation is and how it's in none of our interests that that continues, because it's far beyond financial services and financial service regulation. It's in the interest of everybody in this country that we have efficient, effective, positive regulators who are able to perform the functions that are given from Parliament with the right level of scrutiny. But it's not straightforward and it's not simple, but we all have to grapple with that because the current situation needs change.
0: And by current situation, are you talking about the length of time the FCA is taking to authorise new business or are you talking about something separate to that
1: length of time numbers that are ultimately getting through and obviously the flip side of that is numbers of businesses that would have very much liked and been positive about UK authorisation unfortunately going elsewhere
0: I guess the flip side of this argument is that you do need to ensure that the regulators retain their independence to make these judgments themselves and don't feel under parliamentary pressure to make judgments a particular way. Because if you end up in a situation where, for instance, call-in powers are used to aggressively and regulatory independence in the UK is being called into question, that could ultimately harm the UK's standing internationally and could harm the ability of regulators to do their job to the standard required.
1: Completely agree. I think, independence is critical if you're going to have that right level of status for our regulators and our regulatory framework independence is absolutely vital It's independence with the right level of scrutiny and that scrutiny not interference not a hand trying to shift the pen on any specific or any class of decision not a bit of it but that right combination of the tsc and broader parliament having that parliamentary interest in financial regulation, but exactly, absolutely to your point, independence is vital because if you don't have both the perception and the reality of independence, then you don't have the confidence which is required. So effectively you end up losing business, losing opportunity and losing international credibility and confidence and both domestically as well.
0: Okay. So it's quite a fine balancing act that needs to be struck in the months and years ahead in terms of retaining that scrutiny of regulators, but also retaining their independence. Fintech founders I speak with often complain they don't see the Brexit dividends that government likes to eulogize on. They complain it's now harder to hire specialist staff in AI, data scientists and the like for their operations in the UK. And for those with operations in the EU and UK, they complain they're having to navigate two regulatory change programs at once now. That's costly and time consuming. What should the government be doing now to convince such individuals that the UK is the best place for them to run their business?
1: There are roles for a number of key Whitehall departments to play here. So Treasury, the most obvious, Bay's probably pretty obvious as well, but the Home Office as well. We've seen the talent visas. It's a good piece of work, but there needs to be a broader approach taken to that. We need to ensure that businesses not only will but actively want to choose the UK and can choose to come here to start, scale, sell and flourish their businesses in the UK. But first and foremost, it is that coherent horizontal thread running across all the government departments have a role to play in this to bring that to life and to evidence it
0: So much more cohesion between the various government departments to ensure that they are aligned in their approaches and also communicating the benefits of that approach to the fintech founders that feel like they're not seeing the benefits currently. Very much so. Okay. And I'm picking up a lot of concern through this conversation about UK regulators' ability to do their job. Would you say that's fair? Are you quite concerned about them?
1: I want to ensure that we have the regulator and the regulation that enables the economic and social opportunities from new technologies and is also equally on it when it comes to consumer protection and all of those elements. And that should be everybody's concern, because it's in everybody's interests that we have the regulator that we need to do the functions that Parliament have empowered them to undertake.
0: So you don't think we have that regulator currently?
1: I think we have a regulator that's going through a process at the moment, and we need to ensure that the speed of authorization, without increasing the risk or suggesting that businesses that shouldn't be authorised get authorised, is considered and all means put to that to enable the potential economic and social benefits that can result from that. So it's in everybody's interest that that is looked at and that everybody who can enables the regulator to perform in a way that we all want
0: okay and generally And lastly, is there an upcoming or current challenge that you believe not enough people are paying attention to right now?
1: I think if we look at the more negative elements of geopolitics right now, we see a worrying and tragic increase in retreatism, nationalism, populism, protectionism. It's ironic in some ways that we've never been more connected as a world, and yet look how that juxtaposes with that. But if you look at key challenges, which are almost certainly around mobility, health, general economic, social, psychological well-being, they're all necessarily naturally and need to be considered globally because the concept of being able to simply plot a course on your own just doesn't stack up to the challenges nor indeed the opportunities it faces. So I think that sense of being internationally focused, internationally connecting, collaborating, creating, that has to be really how we approach so much of what we're about.
0: Okay. Well, that's been an incredibly informative conversation and we've covered a lot of ground. So thank you very much for your time today.
1: Thank you very much indeed. Pleasure.
0: You've been listening to Following the Rules with Lucy McNulty. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be very grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe on all the usual channels. It helps other people get to know us too.